0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Fresh Hot Love. Enjoy. Well, this is Love Weekend. Valentine's Day weekend. We've got some chocolate-covered strawberries back there for you after service. I wore red. And we're going to talk about Fresh Hot Love today. Sound good? Because you need some fresh, hot love in your life. <laughs> Jennifer came home from the grocery store. I think the kids were with her the other day, this week, and she got some. We like, we like um, banana bread and zucchini bread, and Jennifer makes all of those. And She was at the store, and from the store bakery, she brought some zucchini bread that was made at the store. And uh, we were excited because we like zucchini bread, so we got it out, we cut we it open, and she had a bite. And so, you know, we were, we're kind of expecting the homemade taste. But there's only one place you can get that, right? At home, right? It was good. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't homemade. And what I, I, I really enjoy a good loaf of bread. I've shared that with you before. But I like a hot, fresh loaf of bread that's right out of the oven. But you know, you got to be close to the oven to get it when it comes out of the oven, right? God has fresh, hot love for you every day. He's got fresh, hot, daily bread for you every day. Jesus is the fresh, hot bread that we need daily. But if you're not close to the oven, you're going to miss it. What I mean the oven if you're not uh, expecting him to reveal himself to you, if you're not spending time alone with him, if you're not meditating in his word, you're not close to the oven. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like being right there when the oven door opens and the heat comes out. Ooh, here comes the bread. Right? I've got my butter and my knife right there. <laughs> Stand back, right? But we want, we want to be right there when God speaks. We want the fresh, hot revelation of Christ. To, we need it every day. That's why religious tradition can't help you. It's got you doing all these to-dos, and you gotta say your prayers, and you gotta do this. No, we're in an intimate, fresh, real relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what Christ came for. Not to set up uh, a religious tradition and stained glass windows and, and, and uh, high ceilings and stone. No, he came so that you could experience God. And God has fresh, hot love, fresh, hot bread, fresh, hot revelation of Jesus Christ for you every single day. But, I, but I've got to practice keeping my mind stayed on him no matter how quote unquote busy I may be in the midst of it I've got to keep my mind stayed on him it changes everything he's always fresh he's always right out of the oven all his love will melt in your mouth he's so good he's so good you know, in, in get-togethers this past week, man, it was so powerful, so powerful. We, read, we went through the chapter uh, from Joseph Prince's book, Destined to Reign, and uh, the, tra- the chapter is called The Road to Emmaus. And he brought up a point in there that's just so, so important and, and so needed. And it's simply this, that, that literally whatever area of life you have a need in, Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, uh, social, professional, whatever area of life you have a need in, Jesus is the answer for that. Religious tradition can't can't impart that to you. Religious tradition puts Jesus off to the side and in in a, a, I don't know, in in a case, in a glass case somewhere. But every need of your life, the answer for every circumstance, for every decision, is found in intimacy with Christ. So at Highway Church, we exalt Jesus. And some people don't like that. Why don't you talk about something else? Because He's everything. The more you exalt Jesus, the more health you'll enjoy. The more you make him the passion of your life, the more free you'll become. But you're the only one that can choose to do this, right? It's a love thing. It's that fresh, hot love of Christ. Listen, God's love for you is always fresh. Always fresh. It's always hot. And his love is always filled with all of the ingredients you need to be whole. He's never made a bad loaf of bread. And you know, it's amazing, talked about it at the get-togethers, and it was in the chapter this week, how stubborn and hard-hearted we can become by ignoring God. And he hasn't gone anywhere, we just haven't given our attention to him. And boy, we see that in the scriptures over and over again. God loves people so much, but his people just hardened their heart towards him. And he delivered them out of the slavery that they put themselves in. He got them out of that with signs and wonders that all the nations were talking about. He demonstrated his love for them in powerful ways. And he said, I want you to to come and worship me. And they hardened their hearts. They were out in the middle of the wilderness. He was leading them into the promised land, which was only a six-week journey. It took them 40 years because of the hardness of their heart. Because they wouldn't give God their attention. They wouldn't receive his love for them. And he he gave them bread from heaven. David called on angels food. I can only imagine how delicious that might have been. But their hearts were so hard, you know what they called it? Worthless bread. Can you imagine? A bread unlike any other bread that's ever been given to mankind. And their hearts are so hard. And that's what what a lot of churches have done with Jesus. They look at him as worthless bread. And they spend their time in the pulpit talking about all kinds of different things. But very little time about the reality of who Jesus is. What he's done for us. And who we are in him. And I'm here and I know that to let you know that's where your answer lies. If the church as a whole would, would give the pulpit back to Jesus, this whole nation would be transformed. Yes. I've had people tell me what I should talk about in the pulpit. Yes. I understand that. They think you get up here and have your own list of things you want to talk about. I want to say whatever he wants me to say. Yes. And he has impressed upon me very strongly to preach him. Yes. I'm going to go with what he tells me. He's the answer to every social issue. I get a kick out of that word, social. People talk about social justice as if there's a social justice and then another kind of justice. There's just justice, right? Man creates issues where there doesn't need to be any by creating these new categories. You just need Jesus. He's your justice. Give your life to him and you'll find justice. Fresh, hot love. Listen, if you're lacking or struggling in any area of life, God's fresh, hot love for you will fix it. It will. His fresh, hot love for you will fix whatever it is that needs to be fixed in your life. God's love covers everything. Nothing is more relevant to your current circumstance than his love for you. Nothing is more relevant to the small things and the medium-sized things and the large things and the supersized things that you're dealing with than his personal love for you. I mean, I'm just a man, but as a parent, I try and think of all of my children's needs. I try, but I'm, I'm limited because I'm a man. But God's not limited. He knows every need you've ever had, you currently have, or will ever have, and he's already met it through Christ. You just need to come to him and learn to receive what he's already done. Religion makes it so difficult and such a struggle and such a a process that never ends. But it's as simple as knowing your own name. As knowing your own name. Real love is what you're looking for. It is. Real love, not fake love not manufactured or hype, but the real stuff. Real love is what you're looking for. It's what all of us need to be whole. There are no exceptions to that. Now, all of us were made in the image of God. So all of us kind of have an idea of what love is. But something happened... When man separated himself from God and the curse of sin and man entered into sin and Satan became his Lord, our concept of love got all messed up. It did. The human race's concept of love got all twisted, perverted, confusing, complicated. But real love is not complicated. It's very simple. It's fresh. It's refreshing. It restores. It heals. So because of all, because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, I'm not finding fault with anyone. It's all of us. We've all rejected God at one point in time, myself included. I used to. I remember growing up, I I would just harass uh, these two kids that lived next to my grandparents. They were Christians, right? They, this little girl go around singing, Jesus loved me. Man, I hated that. That made me so mad. Why did it make me so mad? Because I was hurting inside. My family was a mess. And here's this little girl walking around. Jesus loves me to I out the Bible. Shut up. I needed to hear that song. See? I needed it. I never thought about this before, but God put that little That's girl right. in my life. That's right. I never thought about that before. Boy, yes. is he good. Yes, he is. What's her name? <laughs> I don't remember. I haven't seen her since, so I don't know. But I, I I I rejected God. So all of us have done this. So my concept of love was twisted, confusing, complicated. So you can't define what love is based on what you've been through. You can't. If you do, you're going to be confused. Yep. We're living in a fallen world. Satan is the God of this world. It's a mess. We've all been through things that were not God's will for us. Every one of us. God is not controlling everything. That's stupid. Yep. Stupid of For anyone to tell you that. It makes no scriptural sense. It makes no love sense. God is not controlling everything. God didn't do bad things to you in your past to teach you things. That's not true. Jesus taught us the opposite of that. That he came that we would have life and life abundantly. Alright? So the bad things we went through were not a part of God's plan for our life. He didn't allow them. He didn't cause them. He wasn't controlling them. God has given mankind total freedom to do whatever we want to do. Love is that way. Love does not try and control you. Love does not manipulate you. Love does not stick you in a room and lock the door. Love lets you make your own decisions. All right? So all of the junk I went through in my life prior to knowing God's love for me wasn't his fault. He didn't do it. He didn't allow it. He didn't cause it. All right? There were, there were, uh, the enemy was trying to take me out. I made stupid decisions. My parents made stupid decisions. I love them. I forgive them. But we're, we were people who fell short and didn't know how much he loved us. You can't define what real love is by looking to the world or other people, by listening to talk shows. The only way you can know what real love is, is by entering into a relationship with God himself. There's no other way. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I love letting Christ define my life. I love it. I love letting him be my dictionary. Define me, Lord. Define love for me. Define salvation for me. Define healing and peace and joy for me. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, let's put up there. This says it all. And I do mean it says it all. Three words. God is love. We're all set. That says it all. Isn't that simple? There's nothing complicated about that, is there? God is love. You don't need complicated relationships in your life. They will wear you out and drain you. This is what you need. God is love. This is not a characteristic of God. It's his very nature. It's who he is. Love is a person. Verse 9 says In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. In what? that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. So love, the love of God, God is love, was revealed to us as God sent His only begotten Son into the world. Why did He send Him? That we might live through Him. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the bread of life? Right? I'm that fresh hot bread from heaven. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we love God. That's what religion gets on to you about, right? You gotta love God more. You gotta love God more. You gotta love God more. That's not where it's at. Not that we loved God. It's not about how much we think we need to love God. It's not about what we think we need to do to somehow get on God's good side. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Do yourself a huge favor and stop thinking about how much you feel you need to love God. And from this moment on, purposely focus on how much he loves you. Take the weight off, man. Take, Take the burden off and just focus on how much he loves you you'll notice stuff will just fall off of you. The heavy weights, the stress, the anxiety, and you'll notice your behavior will just naturally start changing. That's what consumed me at age 17. It started at age 17, 18, and then 19 and 20, I came to know Christ. I just, the revelation that He loved me set me free. I didn't try and stop sinning. I just became consumed with how much he loved me. And I couldn't do those things anymore. Because he loves me. 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 But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the full payment for our sins. You can't pay for your sins. You can't can't make up for them. You can't pay for them. Jesus did it for you. You have no debt with God. None. You are paid in full and a whole lot more. Jesus was uh, an extreme overpayment for all of our sins. There is a surplus in our account that we can never exhaust. Now, in chapter 3 of 1 John, it says in verse 16, this is how we know. You need to know it. It can't just be an idea. Please hear me. You say, well, I know God loves me. Anyone who says that doesn't know it. Well, I know God loves me. (laughs) And I'm amazed at how many times in the past... 20-plus years in full-time ministry where I'm trying to minister to someone and I'll share a scripture with them and they'll say, well, I know that. Which is telling me they don't know it. What they're really saying, well, I've heard that before and I remember that I've heard that before. But it's not a reality in them. This is why we have get-togethers during the week. You can't hear what we're learning at get-togethers enough. You, and anyone that says, well, I've heard that already, they're just revealing how carnal and fleshly they are. When you're in the Spirit, you can't get enough of the fresh hot bread of heaven. I can't hear God loves me enough. I can't. You can tell me that all day long and I'll be dancing all day long. I'm not going to say, well, I know that. Tell me it again. Tell me I'm healed. Tell me I'm blessed. Tell me I'm strong. Tell me that there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. You can tell me that all day. I won't stop you. See, that's because God's love is alive. His word is alive. We can't hear it enough. If it's not alive to you, you'll get tired of hearing it. You'll be looking for something else because it's not that the word isn't what you need. It's just your attitude isn't right. Now, let's let Jesus, and he's already done it, define love for us we saw that God is love but we we like to we like to study the scriptures right but you know when you're reading through the Bible if you don't do it right it can kill you (laughs) if you read through this book with a legalistic legalistic mindset it'll kill you just telling you little disclaimer there they have a warning in front of your Bible Don't read this with a legalistic mentality. Could cause death. That's what it teaches us. That's what the Apostle Paul taught, right? The letter, the legalistic view of God's word kills. God's word's not the problem. What's the problem? My view. I'm reading with with wrong thinking, so when I read something that should heal me, I go further into bondage. The problem's not the word, The problem is the way I think. That's true of all of life. God is never the problem. If there's an issue, it's just I need to change my thinking. I don't need to get down about it. I just need to make a shift. So when we read the Bible, we don't read this Bible to try and show people what they're doing wrong and condemn others. We don't read this Bible to show the the person at work how wrong they are. And how righteous we are. What do we read the Bible for? I'll tell you why I read it and why we encourage you to read it here. To know love. To grow in the knowledge of who Christ is, who love is, what love has done for me, and who I am in love. So when you're reading through the scriptures, you're looking for those three things. Verses, passages, that reveal the nature of Christ to you. Passages that reveal Jesus to us. Passages that teach us about God's love for us. Passages that teach us about what he's accomplished for us. Passages that teach us who we are now in him through simple faith. Very important to know how to read the Bible. Again, the Bible is not the issue. The issue is our wrong thinking. So, one of the principles of good Bible study is called the principle of first mention or the law of first mention. It means that the first time a word is used in the Bible, there's great significance to it. And it sets the tone for the rest of the places that that word is used in the Bible. It's pretty powerful. We're talking about love. Let's go back to the first. that love was used in the Bible. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Now remember, the Apostle John, through the Holy Spirit, defined love for us in chapter 4. He said, God is love, In this is love, that, uh, that God sent His only begotten Son. Well, the first time the word love was used in the Bible, you've got to go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 22, verse 2. And this is the father of our faith. This is before the law was ever given. God asked Abraham, Abram at the time, to follow him. This is a man that had relationship with God based on faith. On what God said. That's all it was based on. No law involved here. And he's the father of our faith. So God speaks to Abraham in verse 2. And he says, take now your son... Now, this was the son that God promised Abraham. At this point, Isaac's probably in his mid to late teens, okay? Maybe older. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. First time we see that word in the Bible. What's the context? Go to the land of Moriah. Means God is my teacher or provision of God. That's why we named our daughter Moriah spelled just like this, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He's asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. What did, what did First John say? In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that he gave his one and only son. That same mount, now Abraham didn't, didn't actually sacrifice him right it turned out there was a ram that was provided for the sacrifice but this was a foreshadowing of how God would express his love to us he gave his one and only son to us he he put him on the cross so that his love would become a reality in our lives so love is defined by God giving his Son. This will change your marriage. I've been to some marriage seminars I think, man, this is just like an Oprah show or something. (laughs) Let's get to real love. The world has no clue what love is. They'll give you all these fluffy books that don't change anything, that will get you all caught up in yourself and what your wife or husband should do and how you should talk and how you should be and... Just get caught up in God's love for you. Love is understood through what God did for us through his son. There's no other way to know love. Because this is what love is. Jesus is the definition of love. If you're trying to heal your marriage apart from God giving you his son and understanding, the answer to your marriage is in this. See, marriage is a giving of your whole self to your spouse. It is. It's a giving of your whole self and it's a giving of each other to him. It's a giving of your whole each other to him. It is. There's no other way to experience real marriage. hallelujah now I was a kid growing up and and I I was living with a relative of mine and uh, I had adults telling me what love is they'd say things like and again I'm like you know I don't know 10 years old and I've got adults telling me well if it feels good do it this is the advice I'm getting if it feels good, do it. It must be love. Okay. <laughs> That's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Right? Why? Because love is not of the flesh. It's of the spirit. Isn't that true? God is love. Jesus said, God is spirit. He said, the words I speak to your spirit in our life. So people are trying to find love with their flesh. It'll never work. It's not there. Love is a spiritual reality. The flesh is just surface. There's things that might make my flesh feel good for a time, but after it wears off, my flesh is going to feel bad. So wouldn't it be very stupid of me to do something just because it makes me feel good for a time and afterward it's going to make me feel worse than I felt before I felt good for a little while? You want to be smarter than the world. Don't listen to ignorant advice. You need love that's of God's spirit. Nothing else can heal you. Nothing. Nothing. There's no drug you can buy. There's no relationship you can be in. There's nowhere else you can go. You need God himself. You need intimacy with the one who is love. So love is not a feeling that is brought on by an external substance. You know, you can take things that'll temporarily make you feel happy. It's just chemicals, right? You can do that. But real love can't be brought on by an external substance. Real love can't be brought on by a circumstance that's outside of you. Real love can only be experienced in your spirit, in your heart. The words I speak to you are spirit and are life. That's how you want to read the Bible. Read the Bible through the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you the Bible. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You need to let the Holy Spirit open the eyes of your heart to God's love for you. And he will do it. Yeah. Before I ever read it, that was my f- first prayer. I had the, you know, 19, 20 years old sitting there on a desk in my room and say, okay, if, I don't know anything about this book. If this is you, God, open my show me. Show me. Open to the book of John, and, I, and the whole time I'm reading, I'm listening in here. I didn't know all the stuff I'm teaching you. I was just doing this because the Holy Spirit was moving in my life. And I'm reading the book of John, and I'm, but I was reading it here, not here. If you read it here, it limits what you're going to get. If you read it here, it's limitless. Limitless. The world's trying to solve their problems here. Limit, limited. Here, limitless. We live from here. We live from here, not here. This is where the power is. The words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Have you ever heard someone say God's love is unconditional? Is that true? Well, yes and no. <laughs> it is unconditional in this sense Stay with me. God's love for you is unconditional. In other words, there's nothing you can do or say to make him love you any less or any more. He totally loves you all the time. Okay? So therefore, it is unconditional. Understand? It's unconditional in this sense. We can never earn his love by trying to fulfill a set of conditions you understand? Yes. So it's true. In that sense, it is unconditional. But like so many other things, the world takes words and redefines them to try and uh, further their agenda. God loves us not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. Isn't that awesome? He loves us not because of what we are, but because of who he is. So God's love for us and towards us is unconditional because it's based on who he is. But Whether or not I personally experience His love is conditional. It depends on what I believe. It does. I mean, I could go through my whole life and, and never experience the benefits of God's love if my thinking is wrong. And if I believe things that aren't true. Or if I allow the past to trap me. Or if I let the world define life for me. So God's love for us is, is unconditional. But whether or not I personally experience depends on what I believe. When you realize this, you will search for fresh hot Jesus like your life depends on it because it does. You will search for a church like this like your life depends on it because it does. I've been to many different kinds of churches, but I'm telling you, I, I, I am just not interested in going to a place that promotes religious tradition because it doesn't help you or me. Yeah. It gives people this false sense of duty that they've checked uh, their checkbox and somehow they're going to get on God's good side. And it's all fake. I need fresh, hot, real love. And why do I say that? Because you want to listen to messages like you're hearing here that we put out as podcasts. You want to fill your life with messages that give you a revelation of God's love for you. You need to hear them over and over again, over and over and over again. And we have technology now. You can carry your phone with you. You can be listening to revelation of God's love for you anywhere you are all throughout your day. There are some messages I don't even know how many times I've listened to them. I just keep, I go back to them. They're they're on the hard drive in my phone. I've downloaded them. They're on there. I I don't want to even have to think about an internet connection. I want to hear that when I want to hear it. You need, you need See, this is, God is so good. He loves you so much. When a parent loves a child, that parent wants to give that child what that child needs. It may not be what the child wants at the moment, but the parent has a knowledge that that child doesn't have yet. So when, when, when the Lord put on our heart to start this new work called Highway, He impressed upon me to keep this really simple where we have our corporate time together on Sundays. We're worshiping him uh, by, by his, through his word and by his spirit. And then we have small groups during the week where, we're, where, where that, that time is a time for the Holy Spirit to cement, to, to fortify us in the knowledge of what he's done for us. So I want you to know, Con, I want you to understand what we're doing. So those get-togethers are provision for you. You are not here by accident. This is not church. You're not coming to a religious organization to to ease your conscience. God has, has life for you. He has love for you. God provided what we do here for you so that you can experience his love in a deeper way than you've ever had before. He has that for you. Take advantage of the fresh, hot messages that were given to you. We purpose to give messages that are free from condemnation. Why? Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We purpose to give messages that declare all that Christ did for us. Why? Because that's where the answers are. Don't look at this as a religious organization we're people full of the Holy Spirit and we're coming to eat fresh hot Jesus every week. When I go to get-togethers, man, I've got my fork, I've got my spoon, I've got my bib on, let's eat. I'm speaking figuratively, understand, right? I'm talking, about. I'm coming to get Jesus. I'm coming to get Jesus. I'm telling you, and, and the material we choose, it's you need it. I'm just being honest with you. You need it. I'm just being real with you. This book, destined to rain, you need it like you oh man, like you need the air you breathe. Well, it was written by Joseph Prince, and we already did three two of our other of his books. You need it. The revelation of Christ in that book will heal your body. Will heal your mind? Will heal your marriage? Thank God we have parents. That's what a pastor is. It's a spiritual that's parent. Right. <laughs> not to, I'm not interested in trying to control you or manipulate you, and I've been through that, and that's no fun. I, but, you know, the Holy Spirit will give me a revelation of what you need. Yes. Spiritually. Yes. And I've got to go with that. So when we choose topics for the get-together, I don't think, oh, I'd really like to do this. Oh, this should be fun. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I say, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to impart into their hearts? Really, this is how it works behind the scenes. It's how it should work. I don't have an agenda. I gave that up in 1989. I said, Jesus, you're my agenda from now on. That was a while ago. Still true today. I'm not doing any of this by, uh, by my own inspiration, I'll say. In other words, the Lord asked me to do this and I was unwilling. Paul said, if I I preach the gospel willingly, there's a reward laid up for me. If I do so unwillingly, there's a dispensation entrusted to me. That's the same thing in my life. He's entrusted me with his dispensation. It's like the Pez candies. You remember those? They're dispensers. You open it, candy comes out. God put things in me to dispense to you. Little Joseph Pez dispenser. <laughs> so Sunday mornings are a big part of that, but so are get-togethers. Think differently. Yes. Come with your bib, your fork, your spoon, your knife, and get some fresh hot Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So experiencing love is not automatic. There's nothing automatic about it. It takes a giver and a receiver. Right? We're not robots. Computers, you can just input data into and they'll respond. People know. Because we're not computers. We're made in the image of God. We're spirit beings. And to to enjoy love, it takes a giver and a receiver. In our relationship with God, who's the giver? (laughs) Yeah, God is. Sure, He's the giver. What are we? We're the receiver. We come to receive. I've heard guilt trips laid on people. You shouldn't come to church to get. You should come to give. I come to get. Just to be real with you. I come to get as much hot Jesus as I can get. I'm going to stuff myself. So move aside. I'll take yours too. Give me your plate. I'll eat that too. And yours and yours and yours. We need all of God we can get. Come to get. Come to eat and stuff yourself. Yeah, just wear some sweatpants, man, and eat up. Hallelujah. God's the giver. You need everything he wants to give you. Yes, you do. You need everything he wants to give you. For God so loved the world that he gave us everything when he gave us Christ, right? But you know what's interesting about that scripture? Can we put John 3.16 up there? For God so loved the world that he gave. There's the giver, his one and only son. But this is conditional in a sense. I've got to believe it. right. Right? That whosoever believes what? That Jesus is the love I need right? If I don't believe that, it's not going to matter what God's done. I'm going to miss out on him. I'm going to believe in what God has done for me. I've got to look to his son for the love that I need. There's no other way. Hallelujah. So I've got to believe in everything Christ said and did if I want real love in my life. There's no other way. Don't let the world talk you out of this. Don't become complacent and, and halfway. Go all the way with Jesus. Go all, He's everything you need and so much more. He's everything. Stir yourself up. Listen, there are times when I go to read the Bible, I don't feel like reading it. Why? Because my flesh is whining. My flesh wants to watch i don't know tv or or you know eat donuts i don't know what do i do i tell my flesh how to feel and what to do and i stir it up by by worshiping god with my spirit there are times i don't feel like coming here sunday <laughs> you know there are times i don't i don't feel like praying I don't feel like worshiping God. But that's all surface. That's just surface stuff that changes regularly. My spirit's always ready for him. Your spirit's always on. The real you is always hot. The real you is always ready for Jesus. Don't let the devil, and don't let your flesh fool you. The real you's on. The real you's hot. The real you is ready for God every moment of the day. Your spirit doesn't get tired. It doesn't. Your spirit doesn't get tired. That's why uh, Isaiah 40 verse says, those who, who wait upon him or trust in him, look to him, hope in him, they'll run and not get tired, they'll walk and not grow weary. It's talking about the reality of who you are, the power of your spirit inside of you. Hallelujah. So... John 15, 7 and 8, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Another condition, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So there are things that I have to decide to do whether I feel like it or not. So God's love for us is absolutely unconditional. But whether or not I experience it, I experience it, depends on what I choose to believe, what I choose to say with my mouth. Don't ever say again that you're depressed. Don't ever say it again. You say who you are in Christ. When you get up in the morning, you say, I'm full of joy. I'm full of the joy of heaven. I'm full of love. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Walk into your bathroom and look at yourself in the eye and tell yourself how blessed and happy and strong and successful and prosperous and healed and free you are. We've got to live by our spirits, not our flesh. You'll be a very frustrated Christian if you're living by your flesh. So if you're a frustrated Christian, you're living by your flesh. Okay? The Spirit is where the life is. The Spirit is where the love is. The Spirit is where the healing is. And that's what the problem with religious tradition is teaching people flesh. There's no power in these things. The power is in what Jesus said and who He is. Glory to God. Oh boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Back to chapter 4 of 1 John. Says this is how we know that we live in Him. And He in us. He has given us His spirit. <laughs> Woo! It's not based on how I feel. Do you know why that's depression? Why depression has run rampant in our society? Because people are living by their flesh. It's that simple. You walk in the spirit, depression will have no hold on you. It's so simple. It's so simple. Walk in the spirit and watch what happens. Your whole life will change. It's not based on the way you feel. This is how we know that, he, that we live in him and he and us he, us. he gave us, he's given us his spirit. Verse 14. We've seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. And they in God. And so we... Uh, 1 John 4, did we not go there? Okay, 1 John 4. I'm reading verses 13, 14. That's good. Yeah, 1 John 4, 13, 14. 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God loves it, lives in them, and they in God. Look at verse 16. And so we know. We're sure. We experience it. We're certain. We rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Second time he says it. Second time he says it. Now, can we do a little algebra? Are you okay with algebra? Listen, I, I really I don't. Fast food church just doesn't work. I'm sorry. We got to take some time. Your life depends on fresh out Jesus, and, and we're cooking, all right? We're, we're serving something here. So forget about what's happening this afternoon. Just give the Holy Spirit a little bit more time. Can you do that? Yes. Hallelujah. So, algebra class, you know you have a, uh, something on the left side of an equal sign and something on the right side of an equal sign, right? And if something, whatever's on the left side of the equal sign is the same as what's on the right side of the equal sign, right? Yes. You can flip-flop them. God equals love. Simple algebra. Yeah. Love equals God. God equals love. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I learn a, a, a character trait or of the nature of God, that's love. Let me give you an example. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Because people want to know what love is. I remember a song I used to sing one of the bands back in the 80s. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. It was a country tune. I only played like three country songs in my whole life, I think. And that was one of them. Looking for love in all the wrong places. We're defining love, okay? God equals love. So anything we learn about God is love. Are you following me? First John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. Algebra, God equals love, God equals light, love equals light. Real love will bring light into your life will illuminate your life, will make things clearer, not more complicated. Yeah, that's good. We're learning what love is, right? So God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If there's darkness in one of your relationships, get out of it. Good. good. Or add light to it, whatever the, the godly thing is to do. If you're married, you want to fix it, right? If there's darkness in your marriage, you want to bring light into it. If you're not married, just get out of it. (laughs) You don't need it. I'm just being real with you. Don't play with your heart. You need love, you need light. Not complicated, fluffy stuff. Okay? God is light. In him there's no darkness. So love is light. Love is not dark. Love is not confusing. Psalm 5, verse 4. Stay with me. Psalm 5, verse 4. For thou art not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, so love is not wicked. That's kind of hard in New England because wicked means good. But the, the original definition of wicked is bad, right? No evil dwells with God, so there's no evil in love. Someone says they love you, but they're wicked and treating you evil, they don't love you. Don't stay in the relationship. Get out of it. The world says love, just you know, just let everybody do what they want to do, and 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 that's love, and if they hurt you, so what? And there's people that are in abusive relationships and they don't get out of them because they don't know what love is. Get out of it. You don't need that anymore. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous, love is righteous. Love is light, love is not dark. There's no evil in love. Love is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Love is kind. Psalm 119, 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. So love is righteous and upright. There's nothing deceitful about love. Love doesn't play head games with you to try and get get its way with you. Love doesn't do these things. Numbers 23 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. So love doesn't lie. Love doesn't do say one thing one day and another the next. Love doesn't promise and not fulfill. Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. So love is mighty. Love is awesome. Shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Love is this way. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Love is a consuming fire. It is an unstoppable force that will burn up anything that's not love in your life. Proverbs 35, every word of God is flawless. Love is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Love is a shield. Love always protects, never hurts. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Love is not disorderly, but peaceful. Love doesn't add weight or complication to your life. It brings peace. Romans 12 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Love is not hypocritical. Abhor what is evil. What does abhor mean? Hate, hate. Love hates That's evil. Good. Hates it. That's good. Not people, but evil. That's good. Love abhors evil. Love hates sin. Love abhors sin. Hates it. Not people, but evil. All right? Cling to what is good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, let's finish with this. So when you go through the word, look for characteristics of love. Look for who God is. Because who he is, if you put your faith in him, is who you are now. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So all the qualities of God are now in you if you're born again. All right? All the qualities of God are now in you. You are kind. You are righteous. You are light. You are not in the darkness. You are not confused. You are not wicked. You are not evil. You are upright. You don't lie. You don't show partiality. You don't accept bribes. You're a consuming fire. You're not complicated. You're simple. You have peace. All right? All that God is is now in you. Love has been shed abroad in your heart. Let's read that last scripture, Romans 5, 5. And hopeth maketh not ashamed. Thank you, King James. Because because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. Hallelujah. That's you, the love of God. When you accepted Christ, God poured his whole self into you. Isn't that awesome? He poured his whole self into you. All that God is now lives in you, in your spirit. Not in your soul, not in your body, in your spirit. So let your spirit control your soul and your body. Father, we thank you for this time together. Man, oh man. Lord, you're the answer. You're the answer to every issue that we could ever face. We exalt Jesus as the answer. We lift you up. And we recognize who you are. You are the one we need in every area of our lives. We're, we don't have to search anywhere else. We don't have to look any further. It's you, fresh, real, hot, living, breathing Jesus. You're the answer to every area of our lives. And we give our whole lives to you. Holy Spirit, help us to see you, to see your love for us, to see Jesus in the scriptures. When we read the Bible, show us Christ, that we would experience you more every day, that we would eat our daily Jesus. Teach us to eat, to chew and to swallow, To digest the reality of what you've done for us hallelujah it's in your name we gather at highway church we want to help you grow in your relationship with jesus christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you